0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. And I don't know about you, I'm still feeling somewhat discombobulated by the whole spring forward fallback thing. How did you do with Daylight Savings Time this year?
1: Considering I don't have an office to go into, like, at a Mm -hmm. set time or anything, I just wake Mm -hmm. up and wander into the studio and start working. So it doesn't matter what time on the clock it is. Mm -hmm. I'm still getting up at, like, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning for no stupid reason. So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it had had no effect on me. Actually, I think it made my cocktail hour seem one hour more appropriate because it was finally (laughs) afternoon when I started my mojito
0: <laughs> okay well um, did you see the news today that the senate actually today uh, approved a measure to make daylight savings time permanent
1: yeah so here's the thing now do you know why daylight savings time originally got started Farmers, right? Yeah, pretty much. Well, it was the whole idea of back in ye olden day, we didn't mm-hmm. have electricity. We had candles and such mm-hmm. to light our homes. So if we moved our business hours forward by an hour and, and utilized that daylight, we didn't mm-hmm. have to burn candles while we were at work or, or while we were at home making dinner. And, and so that way you would save money by not having to buy candles for five months or six months while... You took advantage of that extra hour of daylight.
0: Back in December of 1973, the Arab oil embargo had just happened. So they decided it was going to be a two-year-long experiment. They were going to make daylight savings time, just eliminate it. And so that starts in December of 73. If it had worked after this two-year trial, winter of 75, they would have made it permanent. But people wound up hating Permanent daylight savings time, especially in early January, where there are were, there were parts of the country where the sun doesn't come up till eight thirty in the morning. Right, and there were kids walking to school in the dark, and there were number of them that got hit by cars. And by October of the next year, in seventy four, Congress had completely reversed its position on this issue. Sent a second bill to then President Ford, who signed it on October fifth, and which is why October twenty seventh of seventy four. Less than 11 months into this two-year-long experiment, clocks got pushed back again. I was in high school the winter of 73, and I remember walking to the bus stop in, like, dark, like, back of the moon dark. And I was really happy when they decided we're not going to do this. But speaking of high school, you know, who else is in high school? Or at least according to the the new Ms. Marvel teaser trailer, which dropped earlier this afternoon, that is uh, Kamala Khan. Kamala. Kamala. The character that 19-year-old Aman Veleni plays. And this new limited series from Marvel Studios, which is supposed to debut... On June 8th, talks about a Muslim American teenager growing up in Jersey City. She is an avid gamer and a voracious fan fiction scribe. And Kamala is a superhero mega fan with an oversized imagination, particularly when it comes to Captain Marvel. Yet, Kamala feels she doesn't fit in school and sometimes even at home. That is, until she gets superpowers, like the hero she's always looked up to. And life gets better with superpowers, right? Yeah, just ask
1: Spider-Man and his extended family, because they're still all alive and happy and healthy. Well, <laughs>
0: there we go. I actually thought this was a really good trailer. Likewise, I also enjoyed the poster, uh, the teaser poster they put, which has a Kamala and her Ms. Marvel outfit sitting on top of a street lamp, looking longingly across the Hudson and at Manhattan, where the real superheroes live, what did you think of the trailer?
1: That poster you're talking about first. I love that they were paying homage to that was issue number five. The uh, cover oh. is oh. is that exactly? If you if you look it up right now, you'll see that it is a perfect recreation. Of of, uh, issue number five. So Mm -hmm. I I was very happy when I saw that image in the trailer Mm -hmm. because it it meant that to me that they were going to try and capture what made the comic book special. But then I was befuddled because there was (laughs) nothing resembling Miss Marvel in there. Uh, I mean, I was used to stretchy power Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm. And they've given her a a, a rainbow, apparently. Like, she's part leprechaun. So she shoots rainbow powers, and I don't know how that translates. But they did show her make a big fist. But it looked like a Green Lantern projection fist, not a a stretchy hand fist. And uh, the scuttlebutt online right
0: Mm -hmm. now is... (laughs) Oh, no. We're going to talk about this on the second half of the show. But I, I want to point out, though, that what Aaron's saying here isn't wrong. There were the folks who, who zeroed on the very issue that Aaron is hinting at here about powers being different. And we'll get into why reportedly that was done in the second half of today's show. But first, the news. And as always, the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. As we were just getting started here, Aaron, you came across a pretty amazing piece of news. I mean, I think we were talking on last week's Marvelous Disney about Coming consolidations in, you know, the entertainment field and. It sounds like there's a is one coming over the hill if, if the story you, you just found is true.
1: Yeah, well, actually, we're going to have to revisit that earlier discussion that we had about the consolidation of Disney Plus and Hulu. Because mm-hmm. uh, before I get to the headline that I saw online, there was another headline that I'm going to throw at you real quick about uh, some mothers who are very upset about the idea of the Daredevil <laughs> and Punisher and, and those shows coming to Disney Plus because they're so violent. And they thought Disney Plus was family friendly and they almost feel betrayed by the, the mouse. Well,
0: did you see the comment that I, I always love when they, they go the bridge too far? Sure, you know, yeah. They, what's next? Strip tease shows in fantasy land? Exactly, and it's like, yeah.
1: They, they go to the ultimate extreme of why not just sell crack to the children? <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, that's the logical next step. Thank you for your input, <sighs> Judith. Anyway.
0: Yeah. But it's just what's fascinating is if you look at, at Disney Plus around the world. This having more adult material, which again is kept behind an age-appropriate mechanism. You know, if you don't have the code, you can't get back there.
1: I have a feeling that they're, they're more likely to rebrand Hulu to like that star. At, or There we go. Yeah. There we go. And, yeah. and do something where it just changes what Hulu means, but you still have mm-hmm. two separate ones. Because, you know, if, if you can take money from... A company like Universal for allowing mm-hmm. them to show their content on your streaming platform. Why not? Sure. It mm-hmm. gives you more content, more appealing to, to customers, et cetera, et cetera. You're also making money from another source that's not reliant on the the subscribers. It, mm-hmm. A wonderful deal. Um, Disney Plus, you can keep that safeguarded and and all that other stuff. So mm-hmm. Totally besides the point, but what we're getting to is the headline here of Mm. there is a war going on in the battle for your attention and your subscription dollars. And Amazon Mm. has just gotten European approval for an $8.45 billion purchase of MGM, which I think is pretty spectacular because that would Mm. give them a, a wealth of content. That they could just put on their streaming service offerings and say, "Ooh, mm. look, we—that I think that would include uh, some Bond, wouldn't it?" Mm. In theory, I mean, I know there's some what, rights between one version and another yeah, there, but I, yeah. I thought there was some MGM uh, Bond mm. that that might get to no, go
0: No, no, definitely. I just that, that what's always fascinating about these sorts of things. If you talk with folks who, you know, for example, oh, we get the entire MGM film library, wouldn't that be cool? And then it's one of these things where it's like you actually talk with the folks who, who control the content and program and they're like, yeah, you know, but here's the thing. Kids won't watch black and white movies. No, they won't. But here's
1: the thing. If, if you owned mm-hmm. like the rights to something like a James Bond, you then mm-hmm. would have the ability to create a new streaming show called Q. You would. And you You could just have the adventures of Q making cool exploding gadgets and all the mishaps that come along with that if you want to go the comedy route. Or you could go Mm -hmm. straight, you know, James Bond action adventure where James just shows up from time to time between missions to grab some gadgets and go. You know, I mean, there's so many different possibilities with, with what you could do when you have the rights to the entire intellectual property of a thing.
0: No, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are so many ways you could, you know, an Amazon could use an MGM. So this is going to be fascinating, but this is the European approval.
1: Still waiting for the go-ahead for the U.S. regulation to give it the thumbs up and then watch uh, Bezos slap out some money. It's couch cushion change, but for, for Bezos. But, you know, he found that in the rocket ship. After like Shatner got off of his flight, you're like, oh, he lost his wallet. That's all right. We'll we'll buy MGM with it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of of streaming services, which of course brings us to Disney Plus, did you see that just in the past week, Marvel Studios made the first four episodes of Moon Knight, which debuts on, on Disney's streaming service on March 30th. They made it available to a number of media outlets out there. The reporter from What's on Disney Plus said, I've watched the first four episodes of Marvel's Moon Knight, and it's unlike anything we've ever seen from the MCU. Oscar Isaac is fantastic. I can't wait to see the rest of the series. And this isn't your typical superhero origin. It's excellent. Sab Astley of Collider said that Moonlight is a brilliantly bonkers, dark, globetrotting adventure. This is Marvel's trippy national treasure. Oscar Isaac is the best addition to the MCU since Robert Downey Jr., entwining torment and humor into a morally ambiguous cipher. Mark Spector is a whole new caliber of hero. And then finally... Tom Powers of Tech Radar says, it's unlike anything you've seen from Marvel before. I'll go as far as to say, and I don't say this lightly, Moon Knight is the best MCU TV show ever. And that's kind of a big marker to lay down, don't you think, Aaron? Yeah,
1: I mean, we've had a lot of diversity in our Mm -hmm. MCU shows as far as how they approach Mm -hmm. it. You know, I mean, you got obviously WandaVision with the TV show episode uh, concept. You had Falcon and Winter Soldier, which was more almost like a a spy action thriller. Mm -hmm. And then you had Loki, which is space and time travel, almost Mm -hmm. like a Doctor Who thing going on with a mischievous Time Lord. And then Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Hawkeye, which Mm -hmm. was a very grounded, very almost buddy cop Winter mm-hmm. comedy uh, or Christmas comedy thing. Mm-hmm. If it's the best out of all of that, and and mm-hmm. they are, have been comparing it to uh, you know like you said National Treasure and almost like an Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, but with quirks mm-hmm. <laughs> the, of the disassociative identity disorder, that it, it makes it very very interesting and very very fun to watch. So I'm very looking forward to it. But yeah, to say it's the
0: very best, that's bold and good. Well, it's interesting you bring up the dissociative identity disorder, because supposedly what's interesting about Oscar Isaac's character is he's learning that he has this disorder right alongside the audience. So, you know, the idea is that it keeps the viewer as well as Oscar Isaac's character off-kilter as this limited series unfolds. By the way, these media influencers who got selected to preview the thing only got to see four of the six episodes. So they're in the dark as much as we are about how this limited series ultimately plays out. But when it comes to the dissociative identity disorder aspect of Moon Knight, Marvel took that very seriously. They actually reached out to board-certified psychiatrist Dr. Paul Puri, who's also an assistant clinical professor at UCLA, as well being the past president of UCLA's Psychiatric Clinic Faculty Association— And he consulted with both the actors and the directors to make sure that they got the details of of this right. And so what kind of amuses me about this is here's Marvel really leaning into a Moon Knight to keep it as based in reality as they possibly can. But did you see the news about Deadpool
1: 3? What what, uh, new fancy story is Ryan Reynolds throwing at us now?
0: Actually, we are this much closer to them getting started in production because they've hired a director. They've hired Sean Levy, who directed all three of those Night at the Museum films for 20th Century Fox and is the son of SCTV vet, comedy legend, Eugene Levy. So Sean isn't necessarily the guy you would think of to direct the, the third Deadpool movie. But here's the thing: Sean has just worked with Ryan Reynolds on his last two movies. Free Guy for 20th century and then the Adam Project, which just debuted a week or so back on Netflix. Levy and Reynolds seem to have really hit it off, which is why Ryan then turned around and recruited Sean to come direct Deadpool 3, though even Reynolds, after the trades first reported on Levy's new directorial assignment, Just pointed out that, well, the third film in my Sean Levy trilogy will be a tad more stabby. So even Reynolds (laughs) is recognizing that Sean's kind of an interesting choice as the director for Deadpool 3. But I'm, I'm told that the people at Disney are over the moon about this largely because of Levy's family-friendly Cheaper by the Dozen remake with Steve Martin. He did the Frankie Muniz Big Fat Liar with Paul Giamatti. So this is a guy who's got family-friendly instincts. What the folks at Disney are hoping now that the previously, you know, they sort of resigned themselves as like, oh, it's going to be an R. Deadpool 3 is going to be an R, which means that, you know, we'll do great. The original Deadpool made 782 million worldwide, and the the sequel made 734. So it's like, okay, a $700 million grossing superhero movie. But it's like, if Sean Levy manages to bring this thing in as rather than an R, but as a PG 13? That's literally another two or $300 million worldwide, which means that Deadpool 3 potentially could be the first billion-dollar earner in this franchise.
1: Yeah, well, you know, wasn't that what Ryan was afraid of was as soon as you go to Disney, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll make it an R, find a way to make it mm. a PG-13. Uh, no, 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 Ryan, seriously, we're happy with an R. You made a lot of money with an R. We ha- we have no interest in making any more money than what you made last time. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll definitely be going a hard r Deadpool movie. Hey, who's that guy that made all those PG-13 movies? Get him. Shut up. Get him. Ryan. No, Ryan. Ryan, you on the phone? Still? Yeah, no, it's hard R. I'm with you, bro. You and me, we're like this. Get Sean. Where the hell is Sean?
0: In a weird sort of way, it almost feels like to me that Levy and Reynolds will go into this with the notion of okay, <laughs> you know, let's let's.
1: I would like to see you make it like almost NC seventeen. I, you know, cut, I was about to one. say yeah. yes.
0: Free Guy and the Atom Project are, are a lot of fun.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch an idea to Ryan, and this is mm-hmm. a, a trick that I always use um, mm-hmm. when I'm writing a commercial. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll come up with a joke that I know is just too far. It's too much. It crosses a line, Jim, Mm -hmm. and I shouldn't do it. But it makes me laugh and I want to do it anyway. So what I do is I come up with a joke that's even worse than that. Something much, much filthier. Way past the line. And I submit that one first. And they go, oh my god, what is wrong with you? And I go, ah, you know what? That's my mistake. Let me take that back real quick. And then I give them the joke that I originally wanted to put in there, which is a little bit less, a little bit tamer by comparison standards. And they go, yeah, okay, that one can go. And I get my joke that is technically across the line approved by giving them something much worse to begin with. So go NC-17 on your first cut, make uh, (laughs) Chapek himself in the first cut, and then uh, deliver the real one that you want audiences to see and everyone be like, oh, thank God it wasn't that first cut. Did you see that first cut? Oh, my God. Yeah, thank God we got this one. That is literally the Mel Brooks playbook. Well, he used to mentor under me for
0: many years. Well, there we go. Okay. (laughs) I I just got a copy of his autobiography, which literally is called It's All About Me. Very, very funny book, but lots of stories like that where you you put – The really outrageous thing out there first, and then it's a musical about Hitler. Okay, we'll go with that.
1: Yeah, oh, that's fine. At least it's not the other thing they did. Jeez, yeah.
0: Well, again, so everyone has hopes that Deadpool 3 will make lots of money. Likewise, the folks at Marvel have similar hopes for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Bandits, which, remember, started off life as a Scott Derrickson movie. Scott directed the original Doctor Strange and was originally supposed to direct the sequel. But then Derrickson suddenly walked away from the project in January of 2020, which led to Marvel recruiting San Raimi to come in and direct Multiverse of Badness. And Kevin Feige recently spoke with Empire Magazine about Scott's departure from the Doctor Strange sequel, saying, we love Scott. And I think Scott feels the way same way about uh, Marvel Studios. We'd hire him back in an instant to work for another project on this. And I look, I know nobody believes this, but when it comes to him leaving the Doctor Strange sequel, it really was just creative differences. Pre-production, a multiverse of madness was pretty far along at this point. So when Marvel, you know, suddenly it's well, who's going to take over for Derrickson's, and so Feige continues. It's our executive producer, Eric Carl. And Richie Palmer were calling around to see who might be interested. And Sam's agent said, well, what about Sam Raimi? And, and we thought, that would be incredible. But there's no chance of that. But he wanted to come in and meet. And in the first meeting, it was amazing to reconnect with him and see his enthusiasm to jump back into the world of Marvel. I also, in an interview with Empire, Rami, when asked about possible future film projects, said, I've always loved Batman. If if I ever saw the bat signal up in the air, I'd come running. By the way, uh, he told Empire Magazine he would be up for making another Spider-Man movie. He he was at, if you were given the opportunity to direct Doctor Strange 3 or Spider-Man 4, he said, well, Spider-Man will come ahead of Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Fans would demand it. I have trouble separating when it comes to No Way Home, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. In fact, there's that great moment toward the end where Doctor Strange is genuinely struggling to keep the multiverse from cracking open, Mm -hmm. and Peter Parker suggests they go back to the original version of The Spell, where everyone in the world would just forget who Peter Parker was, and... And it's at that moment where Doctor Strange is struggling and he lets slip that he doesn't want to do that version of the spell anymore because he himself wouldn't miss Peter Parker. And, and Benedict Cumberbatch just recently revealed that that exchange wasn't originally in the script for this John Watts movie. It was something that Benedict improvised on the set. And they then decided to incorporate that emotional moment into the finished film when they went. Back to do the reshoots.
1: Now, here's I want to interject here. Uh, after watching the special features of the digital edition, John Watts would do uh, my version. This is the way yep. it's in the script. You do it that way, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he'd be very, very set on. I no, I see it a specific way in my head, and I need to capture it that way before we can move on. But mm-hmm. then, when he got what he wanted, mm-hmm. for example, if it were Willem Dafoe. In Mm -hmm. this one clip, he go, all right, we got it. Now, Goblin's Choice, go. (laughs) And that was great because whatever Willem was wanting to do, he could could excise that and give him something that was completely not in the script that he just Mm -hmm. thought was a great idea. And a lot of the people in the commentary were talking about the fact that as a director, he was open enough to accepting Mm -hmm. best idea wins. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be my idea. That's ego talking. That's not a great movie talking. So if your mm-hmm. stuff is great, that's what makes the cut. But mm-hmm. I want to get what's in the script because I'm obligated to that first.
0: Benedict said it flat out. You know, I'm I'm very much a canon guy. It's all about the text, what's written in the script for me. But I watched Robert Downey Jr. work in Infinity Wars, especially Endgame. And it was great to see somebody be free like that. and They improvise like that, especially in the set of a giant movie. It was a real eye-opener. And I wanted to try and do the same thing on No Way Home. You know, find a way to show that in character, that my character could say that he loved Peter Parker, but he didn't want to make the sacrifice, the kid to make the sacrifice of being forgotten. So the very thing you were saying, the way it's written in the script and now play, and again, best idea works. Now, speaking of which, okay, so the digital version of Spider-Man No Way Home uh, became available for purchase today, which is a full week ahead of the original March 22nd release date. Yeah,
1: yeah, that reminds me, Jim. I, I needed mm-hmm. to say my prayer. Uh, if, okay. If you'll just excuse me for one quick second mm-hmm. and get down on my knees. Okay. Okay. Our pirates, whose files are in the cloud, hallowed be thy hard drives. Thy movies come by internet and not by movie screen. Give us this day our Spider-Man 4K and forgive us our being broke as we forgive those who don't pay us enough. Lead us not into an AMC theater and deliver us from $15 popcorn. For I am going to revel in the glory of 4K Spidey and free home snacks forever and ever. Amen. By the way, I do not endorse any sort of piracy. It's just that when they put out the uh, 4K digital version of Spider-Man No Way Home online, it forced Marvel and Disney to move their schedule up. It's that what happened really? Yeah, they got the HD version because uh, see, when you uh, when you make the disc, right, you got to oh. ship it out and, and all that jazz, and it'll sit at a at a video store for like a full week before it's supposed to be on the shelf, and that's a whole week mm-hmm. for someone to grab it and rip it and do all that. Well, anyway, when you're preparing it for digital, it's the mm-hmm. same deal. They have to have it ready at least a week or <laughs> two before distribution. They got to have that finalized, and there's always going to be someone in the system mm-hmm. who'll go. I'll snag a copy of that for myself real quick, and then it's out in the wilds, and there's a digital HD copy Mm -hmm. uh, floating around online, and the pirates did that, Mm -hmm. and so Sony and Marvel went, all right, move the schedule up one one week again to get it out there now before people find out it's out there and, and don't pay for it.
0: Wow. I did not know that. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Now you've spent a good chunk of today going through the digital version. What strikes you about it?
1: I first went straight to the special features because obviously I'd already seen the movie and that would just be enjoying something I had already seen once before I wanted to see something new that I hadn't seen (laughs) about the movie. And uh, obviously Toby and Andrew were never in any of the press junkets, right? So I wanted to see all of those guys interacting. So one thing that struck me originally was a, a touch of disappointment because there was no director's commentary. And mm-hmm. in a, in a movie that I really, really love, I do enjoy a good director's commentary, right? So mm-hmm. to not have that on the digital edition left me wanting more in that area. And then mm-hmm. to find out that the Blu-ray is going to have an additional 20 minutes of deleted scenes of the three Peters petering about mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in deleted scene land uh, with, extra stuff, because I I told you when we were reviewing the movie, you could give me Mm -hmm. an extra half hour of just those guys chit-chatting as Peter, Mm -hmm. and I'd be okay with that as a movie. And Mm -hmm. uh, that right there sounds like uh, my dream of 20 minutes of of just that content. Mm -hmm. So that's not on the digital edition either. That's only on the Blu-ray. So I'm feeling some want in those categories. But beyond that, what I do get is very good. I do want to cover a couple of things because I was finally able to pause some scenes there. I was able to look at some of those figures in the sky when, at the the climax when they're coming through, Peter. Who? All of them. I can't stop them. You know that scene, right? Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, definitely Kraven the Hunter is one of the silhouettes because he's holding a spear and you can see like the, the lion mane over the shoulders. I mean, it's definitely a Craven outline, but the one that Mm -hmm. I got even more excited about was uh, just to the left of the Craven outline Mm -hmm. is a man spider, which is when Peter in the olden days, when he gets bitten by the radioactive spider, he is spider man. But after a little while he grows, you know, some extra arms. So he's got eight appendages. And he's a mutant, and he's got you know like the mandibles of a spider, and grows the extra eyes, and it's horror uh, for a couple of comic book. And I really love it. I've got a, an action figure of that, and wow. it's it's kind of like you know the the fly. Mm. It's like an homage to that, but he's the spider. But he's mm. you know a man sized, and and yeah, I just I really really love that version of the character <laughs> because it was spooky when I was a kid. But mm-hmm. I, I really I dig it because it's got that fly vibe to it. So uh, okay. when I saw that in the silhouettes, I got super excited because I never believed I would even get a hint of that on a cinema screen. So mm-hmm. maybe if it's in the future as some offshoot story, some beeline story, whatever, I would be totally cool with that. But anyway, we'll move on now to some of the other stuff. One special feature that they had was uh, Jacob Battalon who plays Ned Leeds, and uh, Tom Holland, obviously Peter Parker, were sitting there with a lie detector. And so they had to start off by doing their calibration. Are you Tom Holland? Yes, I am. Bing! Correct. Uh, What's your birth date? And he gave some date that was wrong. Wrong. Okay, so this thing works. All right, next question. Our... uh, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield in this movie, <laughs> and they both say nope, and the machine goes false. <laughs> and so it's like, you know what? From now on, I want to see all interviews with Tom Holland with a lie detector. <laughs> I think it's necessary to incorporate that into his interviews from now on. It's a cute. Mm-hmm. It's only about two minutes long, but it's mm-hmm. terribly funny knowing the the stuff that goes on there. And and then you've got okay, so you've got the three uh peter's talking a a little i want to say about eight minutes of that that's really enjoyable i'm not going to give you the the blow by blow but there is some talk about uh the the tightness of the suits and then Mm -hmm. andrew makes a a joke about some talc needing some talc to get in and out of the suits and and staying dry and then tom goes oh really because i i use talc and they're like oh no i was joking man and And so th- I was just exaggerating. Well, you know what I do is I put my feet in bags now and slide them into the boots, and they come right out, but after a day of hard work, they're super sweaty. And so, yeah, they ended up having this little discussion about the suits, which is rather cute, but their their appreciation for one another, Jim is the one where I was like, "Oh, come on, guys, you're better than this, because it was just, oh, I was a master class watching my fellow craftsmen crafting their craft <laughs> and then you cut over to the villains where it's mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina and Jamie Foxx and it's the exact flip side of that coin, Willem Dafoe comes in he's like, ah, you know, they told me I was, gonna come back, I'm like, I've been dead for like 20 years, I don't know what's going on but okay, sure, I'll look at a script and then they cut to Alfred Molina he goes honestly I did it for the money and that's it you know <laughs> and i mean jamie fox knew it up he was like hey i came back as electro but not the blue one no not the blue one i come back as the yellow one yeah you know it's like how much crap did he take over the years after that movie to where everyone was like hey make sure you tell him you're not the blue electro you're the yellow one you'll get mad respect for being the yellow one but you'll get crapped on for being the blue one but, uh, yeah, they, their, their interactions were gold on, on mm-hmm. that segment. Again, about another eight minutes of just the three of them talking. And, and that was all. Uh, and I got to tell you, the, the funniest thing is mm-hmm. Alfred Molina. And it's too bad this isn't a video show mm-hmm. so you could see what's about to happen because it's a visual joke. And nothing sucks more mm-hmm. than a visual joke on, on radio. But here we go. Mm-hmm. Alfred Molina talking about Tom Holland. Oh, he's a spry young lad. He's doing backflips on the bridge, having this battle. He backflip, rolling, jumping, doing all these amazing acrobats. And I lean in with my right shoulder go.
0: Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
1: is funny. Yeah.
0: No, but to bury the needle in the other direction, have you seen that clip that showed up of they're in the elevator. Yeah. Aunt May and and Peter, along with the villains going up to to Happy's condo. Yeah. And the sheer joy of it is nothing is going on. Nope. But it's just this, you know, that, that everybody's sort of staring at the numbers, going, you know, th- as they make their way. And just, because that's what you do in
1: an elevator. You really don't talk if you don't know anybody, you know, you just sit yeah. there and stare straight yeah. ahead, and don't say anything. Okay. A couple of things that we got to cover. One is from the special features, another is not. Um, Mm -hmm. From the special features, and I was so very excited about this, Jim. Okay. My new TV show, Marvel PR Team, Mm -hmm. I found new uh, characters for the cast. Oh dear. Uh, Yeah, I know, right? Barry Mm -hmm. Curtis is the director of security for Marvel Studios, and along with him was uh, Peyton Evans, supervisor Mm -hmm. of global content control and security of Marvel Studios. They're in charge of keeping the secrets, Jim. Mm -hmm. I don't know how the hell you plan your day when you have to keep secrets, right? But uh, it starts off with Barry Curtis talking about, you know, sometimes it's a script, it's a story, you know. So if, you know, there's a a big climax and you want to hide maybe, you know, a a vehicle like the Batmobile or something like that, right? So you put a tarp over it. Here we're trying to hide people. Mm -hmm. We don't want anyone to know about Toby or Andrew. So apparently they had to put, Uh, Toby in the robe and he looked like the emperor from star Wars and they would march him out of his trailer. And so, and then they said, and somebody actually got injured on the set and and they had Mm -hmm. to go to a doctor real quick to get checked out. And the doctor Mm -hmm. took a selfie with them. And so they had to go hunt down the doctor And 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 we can't talk about anything about after that. What happened to the doctor? We we don't know. (laughs) And and all I can hear in my head is, Marvel PR team this Wednesday on CBS. (laughs) These are the real guys that the show is based around. I'm so happy.
0: And some poor doctor waking up on a South Seas island. Right, exactly. Plane. I just took
1: a picture with Andrew Garfield. I don't know <laughs> what happened after that. So anyway, oh, speaking okay. of Andrew Garfield, moving on to the thing that is not from the, the special features. This came from the Graham Norton show, Jim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Andrew Garfield was talking about how he was a huge fan of Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. And back when he was in the old acting school, he would get stoned. Mm-hmm. And then read Toby's Spider-Man lines in the mirror to himself. And his uh, roommate would come in and be like, Andy, give it up. You're never going to be (laughs) Spider-Man. And all these years later, he's like, "Eh, Eh? getting stoned in the mirror pays off. All right. So uh, I don't know what to take away from that story. It's just a thing that he relayed to Graham Norton about when he was a youngster, he uh, probably broke some rules. And that was one of them. At the door.
0: Oh, okay. Great, great job there. Wow, I genuinely feel compelled to spring for the digital, but at the same time, I I really want the physical copy. Yeah, Uh, I think this is
1: one of those times. Like there, there are so many people that truly love that movie, and I think the special with the the return of Toby and Andrew making that so special that mm -hmm. if you, as a listener, you feel hold out and you wait for that physical copy. You get that extra 20 minutes of of that content there, which I just can imagine being such a joyous treat. Now, remember, cut scenes are cut for a reason. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's just because the scene wasn't all that great. So you do Mm -hmm. get the bottom of the barrel, but there's also some good stuff that resides in that stuff as well. So, I mean, you know, don't don't get your hopes up on, you know, this is going to be a new TV series
0: because it's so great. It's all Mm -hmm. gold. And it's like, nah, some of it's tarnished, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's still fun. Well, speaking of of new series, when we get back from this break, we'll do a deeper dive on Ms. Marvel. Um, Before we get to the discussion about the issues surrounding Ms. Marvel. I wanted to do a quick update on the Avengers campus, not the one for California, but the one that's being built at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris. They are uh, genuinely charging along, Aaron. I don't know if you've seen just last month, they lowered the Quinjet into place and the campus entrance sign just went up this past week. The web logo outside of the Spider-Man Web Slinger uh, attraction is up and running, and they're still on track for summer 2022 opening. Speaking of stuff for the uh, 2022, we were talking earlier about Moon Knight. Uh, We'll be talking shortly about um, Ms. Marvel. And now that we have an official air date or start date for uh, Ms. Marvel, which is June 8th, big question is, well, what becomes of She-Hulk, which I guess at this point now has been pushed to the fall, because the second season of Marvel What If, which by the way, I don't know if you saw just this past weekend at the Critics' Choice Award, Marvel's What If was named as the best animated series of 2022, which I thought was kind of cool. yeah. We were we were talking earlier in the show about one of the more controversial aspects of the Ms. Marvel limited series, or, or at least people responding to the teaser trailer you were mentioning, mm-hmm. Aaron, that, you know, people were upset that they weren't seeing the uh, what's the proper f- phrase here embiggened. She, I mean, she can embiggen her
1: fist and whatnot, but I mean, mm-hmm. in, in playing the uh, video game, she's a stretchy person and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure there's more to it than that. But what I see is she's got the ability to kind of Mr. Fantastic her way about. And mm-hmm. I think that part of, you know, there's, there's different layers of reasoning. Mm-hmm. There's uh One that you'll reveal here momentarily, but some people just flat out think, well, if you're going to do Fantastic Four, you can't upstage Mr. Fantastic by having Mm -hmm. this girl be, you know, the same as, and and then he comes in, well, then he's no longer unique or different in the MCU. So let's change her power to something, and it's all rainbow colored, you know, and and reds and blues, and it looks more like Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. And why would they do that, Jim?
0: As I understand it, they had done so much development on the team-up and the notion that you had three very powerful women characters on screen and you had to be able to identify who we were looking at in battle scenes and likewise during moments when they team up, you know, to get the sense of, you know, this is what Captain Marvel is contributing and this is what Monica Rambeau is and that sort of thing. So there there were color choices made and that sort of thing. So in a weird sort of way, they realized that in order to set the stage properly for the Marvels, there had to be certain color choices and style choices that would actually had to be introduced in the Ms. Marvel limited series. So, you know, in a weird sort of way, what you're looking at in this teaser trailer that doesn't necessarily look like kind of the way Ms. Marvel uses her powers in the comics, it was driven by decisions that were made for the Marvel's movie.
1: I think a lot of people would argue if you just left her as a stretchy person, that would make mm-hmm. her an, uh, more of a unique individual than giving her another glowy power like the other two characters. That just makes her more of the same of that. But uh, I mean, now, in the visual language, it also means like she's using the same cosmic type of power and that mm-hmm. they're connected in that sort of way. Uh, And I understand that logic to lead to that sort of decision because, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, in the trailers, they do give her an embiggened fist, just like Mm -hmm. they do in uh, like the video games and the comic books. So Mm -hmm. maybe it's one of them things where she evolves into more of what we know her as over time.
0: There we go. Well, see, but that's the thing, you know, with this limited series, which one would wonder that if the powers that we see introduced in the first limited series and then the story continues and the, the Marvel's theatrical release... What will this character be capable of mm-hmm. in the second season of the show? You know, because people grow and change, you know, over time. Sure. But sadly, you know what it hasn't changed much over time is ignorance and bigotry, which brings me back to the online comments I was seeing earlier today about the Ms. Marvel teaser trailer. Mm. I think that looks like fun. I think that looks like a great show. I'm looking forward to it. But within an hour of the teaser trailer dropping online, comments like this started to pop up on Twitter. Did you see the Ms. Marvel trailer? Day by day, Christianity is being banned from all media. And it's like,
1: what? (laughs) We've decided to be inclusive for the very first time in history, and all of a sudden that means that, yeah. So uh, I I don't even (laughs) want to say the words of, you know, Equality for others does not mean less for you.
0: What genuinely bothers me about this, and it it makes me think of what happened just last week with the debut of of Turning Red, a wonderful new Pixar film dropped on on March 11th. But in the weeks leading up to the debut of this Domi she film, we had all sorts of trailers online, we had all sorts of images, and there were all of these people who were completely bent out of shape because Turning Red was built around the adventures of the 13-year-old Canadian girl who just happened to be Chinese which then made me think of what happened back in December of 2017 where we had Star Wars episode 8 The Last Jedi and how you know there was a certain portion of people online who were upset with Kelly Marie Tran's Rose Tico character Largely because Kelly, who was, by the way, was born in the United States back in January of 1989, her parents had come over to the country from Vietnam. And there's some folks who will tell you that they didn't like Rose Tico in The Last Jedi because the character was a Mary Sue. Just this fantasy of how a female character will act in a sci-fi story. But if you look at the comments online, it was more people talking about Kelly Marie Tran's looks rather than her performance. Right. That just makes me crazy. I mean, it's like if your worldview is so fragile that you can't handle the idea that a Muslim American girl can be a Marvel superhero, or that an American woman who just happens to be of Vietnamese descent plays a role of size in a Star Wars movie, or or, or the animated film from Pixar gets built around the adventures of a 13-year-old Canadian girl who again just happens to be Chinese, it's like... I honestly have no use for you.
1: I was more shocked to find out there was a superhero coming from New Jersey. Oh, I get no respect. <laughs>
0: <huh>? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, but I, But it's, just, it's 2022, yeah. folks. I mean, the world has moved on from George Reeves and his baggy Superman tights. Likewise, Adam West and his tight-fitting Batman cowl superheroes aren't exclusively white guys anymore. They come in all sizes, shapes, sexes, genders, and colors. And, and that is a good thing, right? Yeah.
1: Representation matters. Uh, I mean, there were some Twitter comments about how they had showed it to, uh, there was a, a Pakistani mother and she mm-hmm. cried uh, tears of joy because she was able to show something to her daughter that, that looked like her. That was yeah. uh, something that, that they could relate to. in in mm-hmm. that story, and uh, you know, there's so much about it. I right now I feel really, really bad because I think that the trailer looks like a CW TV show at best at the moment. And eh. no, I mean it's I, I think part of it is the little hand drawn stuff in the first like half of the trailer where she's in fantasy mm-hmm. land, you know, mm-hmm. like daydreaming about stuff. Because it, it gives it a very teen kids show from like the 90s where they they would add animation or something to it and it just has a a very tv kind of vibe to it and it's just the very first time where when i saw the trailer it didn't look cinematic where loki and falcon and winter soldier all looked very cinematic even hawkeye looked cinematic wandavision because of their tv format looked very tv (laughs) but that was aimed for that for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the first time where I went, this looks like a show that should be shown on like the WB or the CW uh, at Saturday at about two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and I don't I don't mean that as an insult. It's, it just had okay. that vibe and that feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I, I think it was just partially because of that first half of the trailer is her in a daydream mode. I don't know what it is that they're doing. It just, it looks not filmic.
0: I don't know the comic book quite as well as you do, but I love the fact that that really evocative poster is the cover of the fifth
1: book. To me, that's the the love letter saying, Hey guys, we're really trying to be true to it. You, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. there's going to be changes. We all know that, you know, if they're involved in the creation of it, they know damn well they made changes, but they're yep. still trying to say, Hey, this is the character that you love. Just mm-hmm. give us a minute. Let yeah. us give, yeah. tell you the story and mm-hmm. uh we'll see how how we go from there because they always have the time to rewrite season two, right? Well if they get this if they true. get comments, mm-hmm. uh they'll make corrections. So
0: just give it a mm-hmm. chance, see what happens. And don't go crazy with the comments because right. that's the thing that frankly Rise of Skywalker, the fact that Rose Tico went from a role, you know, a character who's front and center to Hey, I'll stay here, guys. You go have an adventure. You know, it's sort of like, Sometimes just let the story happen and enjoy it, as opposed to, you know, this is not exactly what I expected. Let the storyteller tell the story, okay? So... Speaking of Tales Told, we're at the tail end of this show for this week. But if you want to keep tabs on what we're up to, might I suggest that you follow Aaron Adams on social media? Though, by the way, you Mm. you wanted to talk about uh, interaction you had with one of our our listeners just this past weekend.
1: Oh, yeah. Zach Parks caught me spreading misinformation and propaganda. Mm. And uh, I'm ashamed. So I wanted to uh, hang
0: on. Let me get the rolled up news for a bit. Yep. Bad error. Oh,
1: bad ow, Aaron. Ow, ow. Okay, right on the go. nose. Good mm-hmm. shot. Anyway, there we go. I had a, uh, a trailer sent to me with uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that had Tom Cruise as Iron Man front and center and that bad boy. And I said, Oh my goodness, look at this, people. I retweeted it and showed it as a, a real thing. And mm-hmm. uh, Zach Park said, Nah, it's so fast, big guy. It's a fake. And I looked at it again and went, oh, yeah, that's totally fake. It looked good at 4 o'clock in the morning when I woke up, but uh, totally fake, so I had to delete it. So anyway, to Zach Parks, he gets uh, 15 Marvelous Disney cool points. Remember, they are not redeemable anywhere on the planet and are worth absolutely (laughs) nothing. Congratulations on your stupendous prize there, my friend.
0: I still think in a weird sort of way that's more of a tribute to the enterprising kid at home who took... That image of Tom Cruise and layered it in over an Iron Man thing, and then edited it into the trailer. I mean, just that they're that enterprising.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, they're usually you can see the seams, right? Where mm-hmm. like it's like, okay, here's the fake shot, here's the fake mm-hmm. shot, here's the fake shot, and that oh. one was was pretty convincing. And there was like one. Sh- there actually, the giveaway was a couple shots before that where they had uh, Superior Iron Man standing up. That was totally poor, poor, poor CG. That looked like it came from a video game and, uh, mm-hmm. should have caught that half second glimpse of, of hell there, <laughs> the digital hell that that was, but, uh, totally missed that. Then saw the, the Tom Cruise and went, Oh my God, they put him front and center. That's amazing. They must really be crazy after this whole three Spider-Man in one movie, wanting to get people to go see multiverse of madness. And, uh, it was, it was all wrong. So anyway, I deleted it. So nobody would, el- nobody else would get the false propaganda.
0: Ah, and, uh, well, you can find it if you want. But, but again, if, if folks are looking for you, uh, social media wise, where can they find you?
1: Well, you go to your good old fashioned Twitter store and order yourself some at Aza prod and you can find out for yourself why Carly Simon wrote that song about me. Ooh, you're that guy. I haven't, okay. you got the one from haven't got time for the pain. <laughs> oh.
0: All right. (laughs) I'm I'm (laughs) I'm sorry. She won't talk to me. She won't return my calls.
1: So I assume that's the song. Is there another song that should be about me?
0: We'll talk about that later. Okay. Okay. Uh, Speaking of social media, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Beyond that, I think that's going to do it for this week, Erin. But I think, given your enthusiastic review, I may have to actually get myself a digital copy of Spider-Man No Way Home. So thanks for the info on that. And, uh, folks, we will be back next week.